You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we come to you for another third watch recap. We are in it to episode 12 of season 5. It is called Black and Blue, uh, January 16, 2004, at first aired, written by Brooke Kennedy, directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino. Or it could be Jesus Salvador Trevino. I don't know how he likes to pronounce his name. I'm going to go with Jesus because I like saying the name Jesus. Uh, and yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> solidly decent episode for you today and one that I'm looking forward to um, recovering, recovering right now. My name is Ben and I think you're a much better man than five years ago. <laughs> well, thank you. Hello. I really appreciate that. My name's Darville and I generally try to stay away from clothes that include a feather. I don't. I'm wearing a feather right now because everything looks good in a feather. That's my motto in life. Um, good episode. I, I okay. I got it. <laughs> Why am I sounding like a robot? Um, this is a good episode. I think that it's, as I yeah. mentioned last week, it's got definitely one moment that I am very much against, but it's tense. It's, it really feels like an earlier season episode. It, it's got a lot of similarities, I think, in, in aspects I've mentioned before that it, it reminds me, um, a lot of, uh, 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 don't help me out here, help me out here, uh, A Hero's Rest. Um, which kind A of, Hero's Rest? That's the, that's the one where the cops are being targeted, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I'm just curious as to how it reminds you of a hero. Because, rest. I mean, okay, I can see it's weirdly they're not the same, but like, as in how in Heroes Rest, they're all kind of on edge and they're all kind of looking out for something and they're kind of, it's all affecting the entire yeah. police force. So kind of this way, like they're okay, all on edge because okay. they're looking for like cop killers who, oh, well, not cop killers, but cops who are doing bad things. So that's kind of where I get them confused. The very loose similarities that I'm trying to uh, say there, but yeah, I don't know. Like, gotcha. it's a good episode. It's a great episode. Good episode. Maybe not great. I don't know. What am I saying, Davil? Uh, it started already. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get into the episode so I actually know what's uh, what's going on? Um, so we've got Jimmy watching an old movie, uh, which I was going to try and find out what this old movie was. Uh, I don't know if you know what this movie is at all. Um, no. No, um, she's talking about the cat is alive. The cat is alive. Um, I have no idea what this is. I'm going to try and Google this quickly now. Um, and she's, uh, Jimmy is painting Kim's toenails, um, which is very interesting. <laughs> and Kim's sort of like, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> Like, you know, when did you become... I love how she says it. Yeah. Like, why, you know, what are you um, staring at? Like, I didn't know you became such a um, a, fear, a fan of um, of old movies. Um, so it's kind of a nice little uh, moment. And Jimmy's shirtless, by the way. Hello, um, Eddie Cibrian fans out there. You know, just got to... I feel like we need to uh, keep the objectification on a balanced level here, Darbell, that if I'm going to say that Cruz looks good in a uniform, I've got to be like, hello... Shirtless Eddie Cibrian, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kim wants to keep a secret that the two are back together uh, because, you know, she doesn't believe it's a good idea G- that Joey wants to uh, them to be married, not dating. Can I just point out again, Joey, first time his name has been mentioned, I think, in about two seasons. <laughs> it's gone from yeah. my son, Finally, our son, remember his to... Name. Yeah, exactly. Finally, his name has been mentioned. Um, so that's kind of setting that up. We've got uh, Sally and Davis in a uniform shop. Uh, what's this guy's name? Mo, is it? Um, Mo, yes. Davis is getting a new jacket that's going to cost him two hundred and seventy-five dollars. Uh, we learn that the NYPD hat has eight points for the Rattle Watch. 
um, which is interesting, um, and that they wore blue to distinguish themselves from the English red coats. Um, and sort of Davis has a conversation, uh, about the old uniforms with Sully, how they were a hundred percent wool, uh, how that they, um, you know, used to be so hot in the summer and that, uh, Sully's not rethinking retirement. He just wants to retire looking really, really good. Uh, and I will also lump in here the scene where Kim is in the firehouse. She's reading through a catalog with lingerie in it. Jimmy's kind of like, is that a station approved material? And they kind of have a real little flirtatious little moment here about like, <laughs> maybe I need to inspect these uh, garments you're talking about a little bit later on. I do kind of like the way they do that. Uh, Doc comes down the stairs, orders Kim to go. And, uh, you know, I talked about how Doc had a shaved head in the very first season, a uh, very first episode of this season. Kind of grew back a little bit to kind of be a bit of stubble on his head. But uh, he's completely okay. gone bald, essentially, now this episode. So he's come down the stairs and he's pretty much chrome dome Doc. So, um, again, I'm not going to nitpick this one, though, because this episode isn't meant to be, like, two minutes after the last episode. So, um, fair enough. Uh, he uh, has that. And uh, Davis and Sully in the car... Davis sort of, uh, you know, again, asking about what was it like to be a cop. Uh, and Sally sort of saying you got a lot more respect back in the day. They come across a car with a woman in it. And this woman sees him, screams and runs away because she's terrified. Uh, and we get the uh, opening credits here. So I've basically lumped everything pre-credits into that. But I want to say that um, I do like them having a scene at a police uniform place. Because it's always intrigued me, like... Uh, NYPD, large police force, you know, like that, like probably more police in it than the city I'm currently living in in New Zealand. Uh, so, you know, they've obviously got to have to go out of their way to get uniforms at certain shops and clearly, you know, they've got to do it specially. Right. So I, I kind of like that moment where we've got that. I like this Mo <coughs> guy, like he's really good. Um, Jimmy and uh, Kim are really good with their, you know, flirtatious around it. And I kind of like this episode that it's kind of a, it's a real... It's just, I like these episodes where they focus like a lot on the cops and kind of celebrate cops in a way. Like, Blue Bloods goes out of its way every week to kind of show you that cops are amazing. Like, you know, we do things wrong every now and then, but you should always trust us. Whereas, like, Third Watch doesn't do it that much. And I kind of like these episodes where they kind of go out of their way to kind of put a bit of relevance into police work, if you know, or like the, the history yes. of the police or the emphasis of the NYPD, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you had anything else to add on any of those scenes. No. Okay. All right. Just, I always want to make sure, Davo. I want to make sure that you are, hey. you've got a voice. Just, you know, hey, check that's, in. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, I'll have more, I'll have more to add later as we cool. go on. Monroe and Cruz are driving around. This is, uh, you know, a partnership that has grown and Cruz still in uniform. Again, looking great. <laughs> just, uh, just being honest again. Uh, I've objectified Jimmy, so I can objectify yep. Cruz now. Um, Munro is talking about wanting to do the sergeant test. We find out that Cruz was, uh, meritoriously promoted, fast track promoted, which, let's be honest, that doesn't surprise us. You know, there's no way that Cruz no. did book work and everything. Um, we, we find out that she was in anti-crime in another precinct and they kind of, uh, boosted her up. And, um, I, Cruz sort of, uh, asked Munro, why does she want to be a cop or be a, um, sergeant? And she's like, oh, we'll make a stop and I'll show you. Uh, the woman in the hospital, um, Holly comes in and says that she's probably been raped. Um, Carlos gets super grumpy and like, you know, come on, hurry up, let's go. And Davis is like, oh, did he rake up on the wrong side of the bed? And I just love the way Holly's like, yeah, but I'm making him a dream catcher. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love Holly. Oh, man. Yeah, she's way out there, but she's awesome. Oh, uh, like, some of these quirky out there characters kind of do piss me off, kind of like the kids we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, but it's like, it's like Friends, for example. I always bring up Friends, but like, Phoebe was never my favourite. She's probably my least favourite out of all the characters on Friends. I don't dislike Phoebe, but she's the one that I would like the least. I still like her, but anyway. But, um, you know, that quirky character often I don't like, but Holly, there's just something about Holly's quirkiness that you can't not like. Like, she's just, she's great. Yeah. Um, Sasha is uh, at a playground with kids basically saying, like, who do you call? You call a police officer, and who do you call us? What do you call for me? And this is uh, Sasha's nephew, uh, and I, I just want to say this episode, people think a couple of weeks ago I was just hating on kids. This episode actually is really good with kids because, like, these kids are believable oh, in their yes. roles. Like, And what's so good about them being believable is the fact that, I mean, this this little kid, he's got to be, like, four years old maybe. I don't know. But, like, yeah, the chemistry, the way that Nia Long and Tia Tahata have with these children is so believable. And, like, I can't imagine the skills it takes to get a four-year-old to say lines that you've got to say. Like, how many takes did they have to do with this? And then later on with the kid that we're going to get as well. Um, oh, it's my just, God. It just works so well. And I love Tia Tahata's face. I just love it so much, the way she's kind of like, hi, to, like, the little kid. Like, both Nia Long and Tia Tahata, like... I'm sure they're mothers. You can and if tell they're not, they- they've got great motherly instincts because, god damn, they're good with yeah. kids. Yeah, I was going to say, they, those two, yeah, they, they would definitely be good with kids in real life. I I think Nia Long may have kids, but I don't know about Tia Tejada. I, I think she does. Um, One of the last interviews that I've seen with her, I think I shared it with you, didn't I? Like, it was, it was one from 2018 where she's kind of, like, on a red carpet and she's being interviewed by, like, a little kid. Like, there's a little kid there, obviously, doing some sort of YouTube sort of thing. And I think... Does Tia Hunter mention in the interview that she's got a daughter or something like that? I'm not, I can't remember, but she's great in that with kids, too. Like, she just treats this girl, like, so nicely. Um, so, yeah, like, just... They're so good with children. Um... Because they're just, I'm not good with children. <laughs> so, like, I'm fine with my niece and nephew, but yeah, other than that, other kids scare me. Um, they get a call, they go out to, um, a scene where uh, another car has, uh, I guess been abandoned. Um, and, uh, they find a woman on the ground. Munro's talking to some homeless people that she knows, sort of getting some, um, stuff from the scene. Doc and Kim show up, uh, to check on the woman. And then they search, uh, the car, find out that there's toys in the back, so that there must be a kid involved, because that's why there was a fight. And then they find this kid in an alley who is, uh, absolutely terrified of the cops, comes running out, screaming, goes straight to his mum, then Kim helps her out, and then, uh, goes in the back of the ambulance with Kim. Um, you know what this and reminds I'm me? I'm not of? gonna. I'm not gonna lie. To, I'm not gonna lie to you. That. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You go ahead. Please go ahead. The, the this whole th- that that whole thing with this kid, everything that happens with this particular kid. I mean, I damn, I damn, I damn near cried watching that this morning. Mm. And I don't. And it takes a lot for me to do that. Yeah, it's 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 very full on and confronting. And like Kim Raver, great with kids. I mean, you know, she was always great with Joey, and we know Kim Raver's a mother, so um, you know, that's. Definitely something that she shows a strong suit. But the one, like, I'm, I'm weirdly connecting this to two different episodes, uh, but this kid reminds me, and just remember this episode because I'm going to be the complete opposite opinion of the kid in this episode I'm talking about in the future. The season six episode when Finney deals with that kid who's, like, hiding from his dad. Yes. Do you remember, you know, the one I'm talking about? The kitchen sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is that what it is? Okay. Season six, episode 14. There you go. 
Um, so essentially almost in exactly a season's time. That kid gives me the shits. Um, and like, okay. they remind, they're very similar, I think, these kids. The difference is, this kid in this episode, he can act for a little kid. Like, it's believable. I think this is what the difference is. Like, this kid to me is believable in what he's portraying. The kid next season, he's just, he's very robotic and monotone, and you can just tell this kid is acting, and it just, he, he's a bad actor at, to me portraying it. So this is the difference between this kid and that kid. So I just want to point that out now because I'll probably try and remember that next season when I ripped little shit kid in half. So, yeah. <laughs> this kid is heartbreaking. Next season, it's annoying. So <laughs> that's just what I'm trying to point out. Am I an asshole, Darbell? <laughs> well, you're you're definitely harder on the harder on the on the child actors than what than what I'd be. I just think that I want to be honest. <laughs> yep. I mean, I mean, I generally, I generally give kids a little more leeway. Well, it's than adult actors. Colin, for example, on a lot of our movie podcasts, he doesn't like <laughs> like elderly people when it comes to elderly characters. So, you know, we've got apparently elderly haters on this show and kid haters. So, okay. Uh, I do like kids. I know I just said I didn't, but I don't hate kids. Um... The woman in uh, the hospital, the first one that Sully and Davis found out, is uh, chatting uh, away to... Uh, what's the doctor's name? Why do I always forget her name? Um, not Is it Morgan? Dr. Morgan? Uh, Dr. Hickman. I don't Hickman. know. Hickman. Dr. Hickman. I always forget Dr. Hickman's name. I'm sorry, Dr. Hickman. You're great. I like you. But um, Sully and Davis walk in, and she starts screaming when she sees it, and she then says, they did this to me, you know. And I do like the way that Sully and Davis kind of straight away look at each other scared and walk out, uh, which I guess at the end of the day, like, you know, they're obviously assuming that it means, um, you know, cops did this. But, like, why doesn't Dr. Hickman all of a sudden go, what do you mean they did this to you? Sully and Davis did this to you? <laughs> like, in 2018, you know that's what she's going to believe. Uh, yeah. So, well, 2019, at least by the time this episode's airing. Um, so, we have uh, Davis and Sully talking to Lou um, about kind of what happened, uh, saying that police did it. Um, and then we have uh, Doc and Kim bringing in the other woman, Kim with the little kid. Just great little scene here with Kim and this kid trying to get his name and everything along those lines. Um, Doc, uh, is in the room. They're sort of in the lunchroom. It's, it's a heartbreaking scene the way he's kind of just like, you know, mum's going to get, mummy and I were going to get candy afterwards. Um, Doc kind of has a bit of a look and just says, I'll be outside. Um, walks past, uh, Sully and just kind of has a little bit of a moment where he just says like, you know, oh, kid thinks he's going to get candy later on. Um, so, you know, like Doc, he's really grumpy this episode, Doc. But um, I guess kind yeah. of he's showing his human side that he's caring still about kids. So, you know, there's uh, there's that. Um, Cruz is in a nurse's uniform. If only I had a nurse fetish, this would be an even better scene. But uh, <laughs> she, she walks into the room with Kim. Kim's kind of like, why are you in that uniform? And kind of Cruz just very nicely says, I'm going to go stand over there. Uh, Monroe walks in in a cop uniform. He starts crying and panicking. And so they realise that clearly he's scared of cops. It doesn't matter to the people because he did see Cruz at the scene. So he doesn't recognise Cruz out of uniform. Cruz questions the kid and we find out that two police officers attacked the mother, the mum, got angry um, at his yeah. mummy. Uh, they look like officer friendly. Uh, and then that's what happened. And can I just say again, how yeah, great Cruz I is. I love, 
yeah, just, I'll uh, just quickly add here yeah. that's how great Cruz is in this scene, how she is with acting with this kid and just going back to what I was saying before about how good she is with children. So Tia Tahata owns this scene as did Kim Raver in the scene beforehand. So yeah, great acting by both of them. Yeah. Yeah. How did they do? Well, because they're actors, obviously. I was going to say, how did they do this scene? And, well, well, I mean, for all we know, this is probably how it went down. But I'm kind of thinking to myself, how did they have to do, how did they do this scene and hold it together? Cause that would be a, I mean, that would be a heartbreak, that would be a heartbreaking thing for, you know, see this kid who watched his, who watched this happen to his mom be damn near subjected to that himself. I mean, well, how do you, how do you hold it together with that? I think part of being an actor is you need to separate yourself from life and what you're portraying on screen. So um, I think that is a key part of it. And I think kind of probably the focus to me in this scene would be this young child actor because, you know, I I mean, look, this guy could be the greatest actor in the world and could have done everything in one take. But I am just going to assume that this kid would have done multiple takes and saying his lines because that's generally how I guess children would work. But I think the fact that he does this and sells it so well that, you know, I think kind of the the acting ability would be from Cruz and Kim to try to make sure that he is comfortable enough to say his lines and remember his lines. Because, I mean, it is the age-old saying that actors should never work with children and uh, animals. So, um, yeah, like, I, I guess I see what you're saying. I've never heard that saying. Oh, it's a very famous saying. I've heard it plenty of times. But um, I think that it's, at the end of the day, I think actors, I think actors are probably perceived as having an easy job. But... There's a lot more to acting than people ever should realise. It's not exactly the easiest job because you do have to separate yourself in these scenes where you are dealing with emotional, you know, very deep emotional stuff. Um, and, you know, you can't let yourself get consumed with what you're portraying. You know, like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a skill, I guess. Yeah. Of course, I, I'm sure they had I'm sure they had their moments, though, yeah. with this scene. I have I have respect for for actors. Um, you know, I mean, there are definitely bad actors out there who purely get by on the fact that they're good looking. Uh, but I mean, that's the story of my life. I only ever do whatever I do because I just get away with being away from being good looking. That was a bad joke. Move on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I also do like the way that kind of like Cruz goes from being like really good with children and kind of walks straight outside and basically is like you know straight into cop mode. So um, she comes out and says that they're in uniforms. You know, then this is, they look exactly like us. Um, Nurse Mary comes in and says that the uh, mother has died. Uh, Doc overhears this and is kind of like, I love Doc's line here. Someone should find this guy and kill him. (laughs) The thing that I like about that line too is just the way that like Swirsky and like everyone stares at him almost like, uh, should we keep an eye on this guy? Um, which I'm going to, you know, they're all thinking it, but I'm going to (laughs) take this as a bit of foreshadowing. Like, Okay, spoiler alert, Doc doesn't kill anyone, but there might be something around the fact that he kind of sort of does nearly do it. So, um, you know, slight bit of foreshadowing there that Doc is prepared to hurt people for the greater good, I guess. Um, so they sort of walk off and say that, like, you know, we can't let this get out. But then we cut straight back to the next morning uh, where we're in the uh, roll call, roll call, and we see the front page of the newspaper that says monsters in uniform. Uh, it's been confined to the five five we hear. And, uh, Swirsky hands out a bunch of guidelines that the public have been given on how to, uh, deal with the cops. We also find out that Sully and Munro are going to be partnered up for the very first time. That'll be a bit of a thing coming into our next season for a while. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, Davis is going to be put on the desk. And Bosco and Cruz apparently have just made up completely because they will be in an unmarked car driving around. Um, we then get Kim showing up to work. She's uh, in a mum's car trying to do a bit of uh, reverse parking. Jimmy gives a mace and uh, says he reads Cosmo and decides to park the car. Now, just a couple of things here. Can we just go back to season one when Jimmy gives Kim a vest and uh, she's insulted and she's very tough and, like, I'm a woman, you know, strong, independent woman. I don't need this. And yet we've come to this part where basically Kim accepts Mace because she's vulnerable and needs a man to park a car for her. Now, I'm not one to play this gender card. I am not. You know I'm not, Darville. Anyone who knows me knows yes. that I am not one to play this card. This episode, my big thing about this episode is what they do to Kim's character. They do nothing but make her a helpless female victim in this entire episode, and that is what annoys me about this episode. This isn't the scene that annoys me. It will be at the end of this episode. But, like, you wouldn't do this in 2018, and I hate the fact that I'm harking on no, about you this wouldn't. And, and being this, but, like... They've done so well with this character of Kim. They do so well with the female characters in this show to make them strong characters where gender is never an issue. Yet now, for some reason this episode, they decide to completely make it about gender and that Kim is helpless and needs a man to save her. And I hate saying that, but I'm saying it. (laughs) You don't don't want to add anything on that? (laughs) No, because I can't top it. You can't top it? Okay, good. I win. Uh, no, I can't top it. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, with them kind of got a, not really a montage, but just kind of just a little, you know, nah. dramatic music section close up on Bosco and Cruz's face looking around the place, sort of saying, I never realized how many of us, uh, there were out here. Um, you know, checking everything. We've got, uh, Munro and, uh, Sully sort of uh saying about the situation, you know, never thought we'd have to look out for our own. And they're talking about, like, do you think one of these uniform places uh selling uniforms to the public? And they're sort of mentioning, like, they always have to check IDs. And then kind of Sully has a bit of a, an inkling in his head about it, which we're going to get to after. Then they get involved in a car chase with a little old lady in a car. It's really, really funny. Um, <laughs> yes. We cut, we cut back to the precinct where Davis and Swirsky are on the phone. I love Davis's line where he's kind of like, no, the law hasn't been suspended today. Um, like, yes, your son really is arrested. Um, the little old lady runs inside and kind of like, help, I'm being chased by two people who are pretending to be cops. And then they start laughing when they realize this. It's Sully and Monroe. And I just love And I woman. love her comment. Yes. She's great, this woman. The way she's like, isn't, she, isn't he a little bit out of shape to be a police officer? I think my favorite bit is Davis's reaction. Just the look on Davis's face and the way he turns and goes, I've been trying to say that to him for years. And even Swirsky his reaction like that is uncalled for uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> man wh- yeah. whoever played that little 10 second role sold it yeah she's definitely one of the stars i'm just trying to see does she have is there a uh, credit here old, old uh, lady woman old lady in car oh old lady you're right yeah mel dowd is her name there you go um, mel dowd mel dowd it's got an apostrophe in it um, sadly no longer with us. She passed away in 2012. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a, was in a lot of, uh, things over the years. So, uh, there you go. Uh, good acting there. Mm-hmm. Sad that she's no longer with us. Uh, Bosco and Cruz, meanwhile, have, uh, 
pulled over to uh, question some guys who are doing a traffic stop, get their IDs and to check that they are really who they say they are. Just want to point out here, Darvell, uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago, what was it, Public Morals? Um, the great division oh, of the NYPD coming soon to uh, NBC screen near you. I'm also looking forward to the Taxi and Limousine spin-off of the NYPD coming soon to, uh, let's say, ABC. <laughs> That'd pick that one up. Um, what? Like, what Really, division? I was like CBS would pick that one up. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, like, <laughs> who gets into police work and goes... Yeah, I really can't work to wait to work for Taxi and Limousine of the NYPD. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like, legitimately, I love the way how serious this guy is. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I feel like this is this is this is his moment to be like, I get no respect as an officer in the Taxi and Limousine, and here you are busting my chops trying to get my ID. Like that to me is kind of like what he should be saying here right now. Like he, he loves his job as Taxi and Limousine. If he's just kind of like, oh okay, <laughs> like like oh, I would brother. love to do an episode or just at least distinguish the the many divisions of the NYPD. <laughs> Because, like, I know, for example, there is, might legitimately have to. A, there is legitimately a TV and film arm of the NYPD. Their, their role is purely to help out TV productions filming in New York, like, particularly around policing. Because when I was in New York one time, I did actually see on one of the NYPD cars, it said, like, because they've got the little line at the back where there's, a like, a gap, and it will say, like, you know, 23rd precinct or whatever it has a number and it says like pct for precinct and i did actually see one of the cars parked i think it might have even been in Times square and it said tv and film or something along those lines on it so um you know there isn't an actual department that purely does that so um and like you you see a lot of this like you hear like you know a lot around um 9-11 a lot of the nypd officers who were killed in that were part of port authority which is, you know, still a division of NYPD. And yep. if you've seen the movie World Trade Center, that was kind of about the last two people who were pulled from the uh, last two survivors that were pulled from the, rub- the rubble, and they were two Port Authority officers. Good movie, that, too, if everyone hasn't seen it. Um, no, I haven't. I'll, I'll have to check it out. No, yeah, it is, it is, it is a good movie. I, I'd say United 93 is a better movie because it's a lot more emotionally impactful. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's just, it fascinates me. We're going to delve into this a little bit more, but I'll tell you now, Darvell, if I yeah. ever decide to wake up and become a cop and move to New York and be, join the NYPD, I'm aiming for taxi and limousine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, like, do, do you have to go through the same process as a cop? To like, do you have to jump over, you know, uh, obstacle courses and things like that, or do you just have to know everything about taxis and limousines? Um, so, uh, ask your friend. Yeah, possibly. We're back at the precinct. Uh, sorry, we're not at the precinct. Sorry, at the firehouse. Kim's leaving. She's uh, heading off home. They've got training or something the next day, so she can head off home early. Uh, and Jimmy is helping Joey with his homework because Joey faxes it to Jimmy, and Jimmy faxes it back. Now. This is 2004 now, isn't it? Probably would have mm-hmm. been filmed in 2003. But, like, were yeah. faxes still even a thing back then? <laughs> I thought faxes are very 80s and yeah. 90s. <laughs> yeah, faxes were still a thing. I mean, were, were a thing then. I mean, hell, some places still some places still do, still have fax machines. Yeah, that is true. Um, but it just, it seems weird. Like, do we see little nine-year-old Joey faxing his homework? <laughs> um, 
I don't know. It's 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 just a random little thing. Like I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just think it's funny. Um, yeah. Kim uh, Jimmy says like say hi to your mum for me. Um, you know what? I like your mum. Um, and then Kim's kind of shocked. Like I feel I need to call a doctor about you. And kind of Jimmy sort of <laughs> says like you know I'm listening to you. You know we don't need to tell Joey. I agree. But you know I would like to tell him at some point. Uh, so it's again a nice little scene. Again showing just how much Jimmy's grown up. Uh, Sally and Monroe Both go back of them, to them actually. Yeah, exactly. Sally goes to see Mo again, questions him about, um, has he been selling uniforms? And he, I guess he's kind of right to ask him because he says, like, you know, you didn't ask me for ID, you didn't ask my uh, partner for ID. And he's kind of like, you know, I've known you for 20 years or whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and gets incredibly offended with the way he, uh, gets asked this and kind of, you know, is basically like, your order's been cancelled, get out. Um, great acting here. I like this Mo guy. Herbert Rubens is his name. Um, great acting. He's kind of got this deadpan look on his face when uh, he gets asked that question. Him, too, sadly no longer with us. He passed away in 2011. Um, but this was his third last acting gig. There you go. Um, was only in two other things after this. But uh, was in a lot of things. Law and Order back in the 90s. Um, he's actually in Law and Order as four different characters <laughs> in four different episodes. So here we go. Maybe we nitpick third watch a lot for uh, recasting the same actors in different roles. Law and Order, Order literally cast this guy it. in four different roles in four different episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Law and Order. Law and Order was known for doing that. Yeah, that was one of its trademarks. Again, to to go over that as, as we've established, like you could get away with it a lot more in sort of the eighties and the nineties because you know they didn't release TV shows on videos and there wasn't DVD, there wasn't binge watching, so. And there wasn't the internet. So, like, a lot of these times, like, they just assume this show is going to air once and no one's ever going to see it again. So, um, it's only now that you would barely get away with it because of, you know, binge watching. They generally drop the show all at once and internet forums would not let them get away with it. So, yeah, because there was, right. I know there was actually a thing that, um, Mallory and I actually just pointed out recently was, uh, you know, we watched The Big Bang Theory and also Young Sheldon and, Mallory had sort of, and I had rewatched some of the older Big Bang theories, and there was an episode around, um, a bully of like Sheldon's or, um, I think it was Sheldon's, who kind of, they called up to try and sort out like, hey, why did you bully me back in the day? And the actor who played the bully is actually the same actor who plays Sheldon's father in Young Sheldon. So it was kind of like, whoa, that's a big continuity weirdness that Sheldon's bully is actually his dad. So, um, like, it was clearly a case of back in the day they didn't ever realise they were going to do a spin-off of The Big Bang Theory and they must have just really liked that actor. So it's kind of... Yeah, and I, yeah. And I, I love both of those shows, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So it was just kind of like a random little moment there. But, you know, things happen from time to time like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim is driving home... She's singing to some yeah. Joss Stone. Do you remember Joss Stone? She was famous for five minutes in the mid-2000s. Um, she rings no, Jimmy. No, but she can sing. She, can she? Are you talking about Joss Stone or are you talking about Kim Ray? Because, no offense, Kim I'm Ray, I'm talking about Joss Okay, thank I'm you. I'm talking about <laughs> Joss Stone or however you say her name. I was not talking about Kim. I was like, <laughs> in fact, in fact, the whole time I was like, oh, please let it get to the phone call or whatever happens after this because... Yeah, I do not like Kim Ravers singing, but you know what? Hey, props to you for loving yeah. the song so much. Indeed, indeed. And let's be honest, that's all of us. That's me in the car. I can't sing to save my life, but um, you know, I belt out a tune in the car all the time. Everyone does. So, yeah, she rings up yeah. Jimmy. Good to see she uses her hands free. Good on you, Kim. Um, and basically he's ringing up uh, Jimmy to say, like, I think you're a better man than you used to be. 
Um, you know, it's a nice little moment, kind of, you know, hey, mm-hmm. I love you, basically. We doesn't say that, but anyway. But then uh, we see Kim kind of going through a light, which um, it was orange, I think, just as you got to the intersection, Kim, then it turned red. It was kind of one of those line ball moments, if I'm trying to be judge and jury here, which I'm not. I'm just a podcast host. Um, and she gets pulled over by a car with a very weird siren, and uh, lo and behold... yeah. What is going to happen here? We see the two cops who are just shining this uh, flashlight deliberately in her face. They remove the keys from the ignition. She's trying to uh, get her ID. And you can tell, like, obviously she's a bit uh, sceptical of the situation. She keeps mentioning that she's an FDNY supervisor. And these two cops are basically like, that doesn't change anything. Um, They've got 38 badges on their collar. So they're meant to be in the 38th precinct, I guess. Um, I do love the way kind of like she says about three times, I'm an FDMY supervisor. And then they look at her, um, ID. She's an FDMY supervisor. <laughs> um, we've got like very tense music playing in the background. He's, her phone rings again and the cops kind of like, don't, you know, you're going to be late, a lot late. Um, they are trying to rob her, I guess, to say you've only got $60. Um, you know, a big supervisor, this is all you've got. And this is where I'm going to get angry because I hate this bit here. Um, they tell her to get out of the car. She maces them and then she starts running away from them to which she screams in like the most helpless victim voice ever. You know, help me, help me, somebody help me. Now, look, well, wouldn't you? Okay, yeah, I was about to say that. Like, fair enough. Again, my problem, this is like going back to when I've said there are two moments I feel in this show where they really kind of take a shit all over strong female characters which they've built up so much and just do them as nothing more than cheap victims. This is one of them. And I just... It just... The way she's running away in this helplessly help me, help me thing, like... Going back to when we talked about Cruz last season when she was getting attacked and yelling out help, and I kind of said, like, look, you know, it's annoying, but at the same time, like, you know... like I don't know how to word this. They're similar, but... The difference with Kim doing it is that, like, she's running away. Fair enough. But, like, could she not... I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I I feel like no matter how I say, it's kind of not going to come out across well. They could do this with her running and not screaming for help. But, again, at the same time, that makes no sense. Because, yes, if you're in this situation, you're going to be screaming for help. But it's just the way it comes across to me. It just sounds so cheap on her character that, again, Kim has been portrayed as a strong character where gender is barely ever an issue and that she holds up to her own on every single occasion that there is and i guess maybe the biggest point and we've already covered it is back when she receives the mace and she basically accepts it and basically is like yes you know i will use this to protect me and you compare that to when she gave the gift of a bulletproof vest to which she was like you know offended by it like i don't need this you know what i mean like that's i don't know it's just i'm just going to end it by my point here by saying it does frustrate me that they do this with her character you know they don't necessarily go out of their way to keep doing this with her i mean another example like kim's got a gun pointed to her head when bobby gets killed right and yeah just her reaction to that is more of shock and like she's shaking and just like like oh is is that when she's going polly yeah Polly, please like she does that in a way that like you know like, she's still in a desperation, and I guess calling for help isn't going to help if you've got a gun to your head. But I don't know. Like, my point is, this annoys me. I don't like what they do with Kim here as a character, and that's all I'll say about it. Alrighty. 
don't know if you have anything to add. I mean, I think you kind of added well, a bit I mean, there. If but, yeah. I were, if I was, if I was getting attacked by, and I'm, and I'm a guy too. I mean, but I'm not, I'm not a very strong one. I will say that. If I was, if I was getting attacked like that, and then got enough to get away and started running, I'd be shrieking at the top of my voice too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I've said my point. I, I can't explain it yeah. any better, Darvell. Um, but yes, I think I it's know. It's okay, Ben. To. You're good. So basically, I'll close it out here by saying that they kind of, uh, Cruz and Bosco are driving around here. You know, Cruz asking, is he a good sergeant? Bosco saying like, yeah, you do all right. They come across the car, Kim's car, find her uh, ID, and then they essentially get into the situation where these two fake cops are shooting at Kim. Um, they start having a shootout with these two guys. Jimmy is concerned, hasn't heard from Kim, sees cop cars driving away, quickly asks Sully what's going on. They, he says that they've found the cops, so this means Jimmy's going to get in his car and drive out there. Um, one of the two fake cops... Um, wants to quit and leave, so the other guy shoots him, and then this is where the other fake cop is basically like, you know, man down, I need a bus, I need a bus, you know, sort of saying, like, you're with the 5-5, aren't you? You know, I thought you guys were the bad guys, you know, we were chasing you. Uh, we're from housing, my name's Hanson. Again, another great department of the NYPD, housing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> housing, Coming to Fox. All the, uh, the glamorous NYPD divisions. Um... Again, just what I really like about this episode, and again, why I'm not going to be in this, and I'm not going to rent it, I'm saying right now I'm buying it just to spoil it, even though I really dislike the Kim stuff. It's just, it's tense and it's great. And even this last scene, where we know that these guys are the criminals. Like, we know they're fake. But I just think the way that kind of, like, this guy is acting up to the fact, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you know, we thought you were the bad guys. Like, I think it's done really, really well. So, um, yeah, it, it does even kind he, he of He is believable. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, of course, you know, this all ends basically with Bosco saying like, when's your next 46? And this guy panics, grabs a gun, tries to shoot. And then we find out that 46 is a vacation. Uh, so then they arrest this guy. Jimmy shows up in his fire car and kind of, again, this is just, you know, Kim seems nothing but more than a damsel in distress here when she's like hugging Jimmy and he's just kind of like, you know, I want to tell everyone. I want to tell Joey. Just, yeah, I don't like it, but hey, I've gone over that. At least they're happy and officially together, I guess. And the episode ends with Munro and Sully showing up to the kid's house uh, whose mother died and basically saying, like, you know, we caught the bad guys who were pretending to be police officers who hurt your mother, and if you ever need uh, help, you know, pick up the phone, and then the guy is basically like, you know, I really appreciate you coming. Thanks for that. So, yeah, such a, like, a tense end to this episode and such an emotional little kicker to end on the episode, which to me saves this episode from being bad based on the stuff that I dislike about the Kim stuff. Yep. Yeah, but definite buy here for me as well. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely going to buy this episode. Yeah, uh, I I agree because I already said that, didn't I? Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a buy. Did. And like, look, it it could very much have been a, a very much lower based on the Kim stuff, but this is a case where one bad moment can't overshadow an episode. I know I've talked a lot about uh, other episodes where, like, a bad episode as a bad moment has overtaken a, you know, a, an episode and made it, you know, bin-worthy or, you know, whatever, but it's, it, this is definitely not one of those ones, and it's kind of like the case of, you know, I've talked a lot about the other shows too, where a good moment can save a bad episode from being something along those lines as well, so, yeah, I, I, I will buy this. I will say that it's not necessarily a super high buy, super high buy. Uh, I've actually ranked this at 62nd 
out of a hundred episodes, because, you know, technically this is billed as a hundred, well, it is the hundredth episode, even though it's not billed as a hundredth episode. Um, so it's just below the halfway point right now, but, um, yeah, there we go. Uh, and sorry, All right. you, you bought this episode. I didn't even just mark that down. I do listen yes. to you, Darville. You know, I, um, yes, I bought this episode as well. Um, <laughs> uh, good. I'm, I'm proud of that. Uh, so yes, that is black and blue. Um, we're not feeling black and blue after going through a that. A very episode. appropriate title. Yes, very, very much so. Uh, so next week, Sleeping Dogs Lie. Um, so we've got a bit around Jimmy. There's a new captain arriving at the firehouse. Um, Ugh. and yeah, it's going to be setting a few things up for a couple of big weeks, isn't there? It really is. Yeah. So really, really is next true. week is the introduction of a guy who's really going to be the final straw for Doc. So, um, spoiler alert. That's kind of all we really can say moving forward with this because, uh, otherwise we will spoil it completely and then, uh, you won't be too happy with us along the way. Uh, thank you for tuning in. It's been fun. Um, we, of course, will be back next week, as I just said. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the relevant channels, and we will be here next week to go over that because that is our job in life. My name is Ben, and am I laughing? Doesn't sound like it. My name is Darvell, and be careful. Somebody's going to get hurt tonight. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.